Hi, welcome back to Revenue Champions. I'm your host, Mark Bedard. Today with me, I have Michelle Bradbury, Chief Product Officer at Cognizant, and Mark Sparacco, Head of Sales at Cognizant. Welcome both. Thank you. Great to be here. We've got a very fun topic that we're talking about today, the state of SaaS. It's an exciting one. It's a big one. It is. It's not a small topic to cover, and I don't think we have terribly much time, so we might as well dive right in. SaaS has evolved over the years. We've called it many different things in the past. Is some of us dinosaurs? No. <laughs> Go ASP. All right. Uh, in today's, today's state, I think we've gone through a whole bunch in the SaaS industry, even in the past, we'll call it five years time span, uh, that, that really had, you know, we went through COVID, there's been uh, wars, there's now economic downturns, there's all sorts of macro level uh, changes that have happened in the short term here. Where are we at today? Like, what is, what's your guys' take, both from a product angle and then from a sales angle on the actual state of SaaS in totality? Michelle, let's start with you. I mean, yeah, so I can I can sort of uh, go back and, and think through my career. And I would say, like, right now, I from a product perspective, almost every product you can think of is some state of SaaS, right? And that wasn't the case. And in fact, I was at Microsoft from 2009 to 2012 when Balmer was screaming about, we're all in, we're all in, we're all in, we're all in the cloud. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there was definitely, um, I think, market indicators for a long time that... Um, you know, the world wants to move to subscription base. There is um, almost no on-prem software anymore. I mean, obviously there is, but not at levels that we saw anything prior to, I would say, 2015. And so, you know, the reason for that is that it's, um, I think it's a lot more resilient and a lot more cost-effective, right? Like shipping software and worrying about the different environment variables that you have to deal with whatever you have on-prem software is a lot more complicated. So this simplifies and cuts costs quite a bit. So from that perspective, it tends to be a lot more resilient in terms of a revenue model 100%. and a cost model. So, you know, where is the state of SaaS? Like, guys, <laughs> I don't think it's All going away. <laughs> Not doing bad. <laughs> like, and uh, pretty much here to stay. Yeah. And Amazon has ensured that. So uh, now with GCP as well as Azure, like, yeah, yeah it's not going to go away. Certainly not. I think one of the things that you mentioned there is not just the stickiness on the product side uh, and the stickiness from a consumption perspective, how beneficial it is to the customers, uh, but also as an organization selling a SaaS, SaaS solution and selling a SaaS subscription is so much stickier. We talk about the stickiness and the retention on the sales side. Um, Mark, like, t tell me what, what your take is on that. Obviously, you know, as you, you continue to sell subscription-based uh, software applications, it ain't going anywhere, right? No, it's constantly changing. I think um, <clears throat> SaaS has drastically changed over the years with COVID, right? The, the constant change of go-to-market and what that means and do we invest in inbound marketing or outbound and um, how they acquire new customers. I mean, I'd love to get your take, Mark, on you know how has COVID and where the economic downfall is today and where we're trending. Like, What are your thoughts on how things are going to be changing quarter over quarter, year over year? That's in particular, 
the I think COVID because we've been through it now. We started out in a state where everyone pulled back and stopped and paused and waited for a while on everything, right? And and it was very much okay. Let's 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 prep for the long term. For the long, it could be long term sales impacts or long term dev cutting or lot like who knows, right? I mean, we didn't know if. Uh, everyone was going to be fully remote uh, from that point forward, or if it was going to be the hybrid. And um, obviously we've been through it now. Uh, I think we're kind of, you know, as, as we're on these kinds of podcasts, looking back at COVID and things like that, I think we're, we're getting to the new norm and what that entails and obviously has a drastic impact for um, for SaaS organizations, but, but really all companies. I mean, it's, it's not just, um, it's not just us as, as SaaS providers well, as well. I mean, frankly, if you think about like COVID, if anything, completely cemented the SaaS market. When you have to send everybody home, yep. <laughs> shared software service providers are sort of the way to go, right? Yep. Otherwise, you're dealing with VPN, on-prem access, figuring out how to get everybody in. So if, you know, if nothing else, and I think you see crises like COVID, do nothing more than sort of make sure that this market is going to last for many, many, many years. The cloud providers, you can track it on like Zoom videos. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, you know, stock and then it just shoots straight through the roof. You know, when when COVID hit, because everybody under the sun is purchasing it. Yeah. One of the interesting things that, that you brought up there, Mark, was the economic downturn and, and what to what scale is that? I don't know yet. Right, and I don't think any of us know if we do. Probably wouldn't be here. You'd probably be retired somewhere. You know, you can make a, a lot uh, during economic downturns. Yeah. But is it, I guess, how is that going to impact SaaS companies and then the companies that purchase from SaaS organizations? I mean, I think in my mind, obviously, everybody is going to become somewhat more cost conscious, right? I think that's, that's a definite. And the one interesting thing when you... Um, when you think about SaaS companies that some are better at, some are worse at, is a sort of a PLG motion, right? Which is, you know, how easily can I self-serve in order to purchase the software and move forward? Which in some ways it's it's funny because your on-prem software had, depending on who, I mean, there was some aspect of that sort of buying off the shelf that we've had to now replicate sort of online and, and get that same buying motion, I think. You know, thank you, Amazon, for making that like <laughs> an obvious model to go after. Um, you know, I think they, they definitely broke the mold on a lot of things. So, you know, I think you're going to see more and more companies really leaning in toward PLG. Yeah. Um, just because it's it's the more effective way to acquire customers. Yeah. So. Something we've discussed, uh, obviously, quite a bit at Cognizant, I think more... B2B organizations are leaning into what the B2C, uh, you know, leaders are, are showing us on that side of the fence. So um, certainly bringing down cost of goods and, and making it more accessible and easy to mm -hmm. to purchase for our customers is never a bad thing. Right. Yeah. So um, definitely going to see the rise of that. It'd be interesting to see uh, what happens with respect to we're in we're very lucky and, and blessed to be a solution that very much uh, tied to revenue and revenue generation but there's a lot of SaaS organizations uh, that sell solutions that maybe aren't as tightly tied to to the revenue stream so during economic downturns and during uh, times of tightening the belt um, that become that's going to become and, and we've seen it become more of a challenge as as sellers try to interact with those folks right 
they look to consolidate and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it too is when you're selling in an economic downturn, you know, the budgets aren't, it's not as easy to build business cases, right? So the first thing that usually gets looked at is how do we cut costs, right? When you have tech tools and, you know, things up for renewal and the ROI on certain types of technologies and tools, it makes it that much more harder and that much more competitive to acquire new customers and then obviously to retain current customers and to service your customers, right? It makes it that much more challenging because of the crisis and what everything's, you know, all the budgets and financial planning and preparation and the volatility of the market, you know, could go any way. It could, could skyrocket, it could plummet, it could stay stable. It's just really unpredictable. So businesses really start to hunker down on, on that front, for sure. And it definitely drives down the elasticity of, of the products that you're selling as well, right? So, you know, you're going to end up competing sometimes with, with companies that might not offer as much, but at least get the bare minimum. So it, it, it's definitely tough. Um, and you're right, we're somewhat in a little bit of a recession-proof product in, in terms of Ferguson, but yeah, and that... I think that's going to become a challenge, though, and, and therefore, like, <laughs> goes back to PLG motion and cutting costs sure. and all that stuff. Absolutely, right. It's something you have, definitely have to be mindful of. You know, where do you sit? Are you a recession-proof product? Are you a recession-proof uh, SaaS application? Also, we talked a lot about you know COVID having an impact on the remote workforce versus uh, you know work from home or hybrid workforce. So I think. That obviously plays into it as well, right? Like, where do you sit from not just uh, a micro level? We, th- we think so much um, time and time again when we look at head-to-head scenarios or how our products differ from competitors and things of that nature. And very rarely uh, as leaders, you know, are we, do we have the bandwidth to pull out for a second, look at the macro level trends that are happening and how those maybe aren't impacting us today, right now, this instant, but certainly are. Uh, going to in three months time span or six months time span or whatever it happens to be. So um, economic downturns, certainly how recession proof your solution is, COVID environment, how remote friendly uh, is your solution or remote dependent, right? right. You know, Zoom video and, and all these kind of Microsoft teams. I mean, those guys exploded mm-hmm. uh, with COVID. So it was, it was one of the best things for them, right? As an organization to have um, that remote for first uh, and digital adoption push and expedited so heavily, especially in a lot of those uh, less sophisticated industries and, and more uh, technologically behind uh, industries, you know, healthcare and education and things of that nature. So really interesting spot that SaaS is in, in general, not going anywhere. Uh, yeah. And I think, I mean, obviously like SaaS products demo much better when you're talking about it from a sales perspective. Um, I do wonder, like from the sales side, have you guys seen, you know, with COVID, do you see an increase of, of video meetings and things like that? Or like, what's that been like for your guys? I think for sure. I mean, pre-COVID, you know, sales, you had, you know, a field model and, you know, if it was a four or 500K deal, it was take them out to dinner, that type of sales motion. But I think what we all learned from COVID in, in general is you can very well much close a million dollar deal remotely, right? And more, right? It, it became, the process became a little bit more linear, right? It's it's not gonna be a transactional product. You're gonna have to, I'm sorry, a transactional sales motion. You're gonna have to continuously work it, right? Month over month, quarter over quarter. But what that allowed sales teams to do is evolve and adapt 
into this type of motion where you are restricted and you can't go to meet customers and you can't go to meet prospects face to face. You had to figure out a way, sink or swim, of how to acquire new customers and how to retain customers. And so I think that the big takeaway from COVID, from my experience, was you know, you can very much close these big ticket items over a Zoom call, a Zoom call. And I think it opened up the door to next level relationship building, right? Which is big. That's important in any type of sale is building stronger relationships and, you know, heavy pressing on gap selling, value selling, things like that. Um, but it is definitely an interesting concept. I do think, you know, there was a lot of good learnings, right? From regardless of what industry and what types of technologies or hardware you sell, you know, there was one thing we were all unified on and that's, you know, we're at our home working full time on, on Zoom calls. And um, as Mark said, right, it opened up the door, I think, for many new vendors and many new spaces and types of technology. I'd love to uh, talk about that. But, you know, during those recessions, a lot of new co- companies really started to, to be in the making and companies like Zoom skyrocketed for, for that. Well, and the big thing that, like, from a product perspective that I've seen with with so many products going SaaS is that the workflow of all those products getting automated and customers expecting it to be automated for them. So like API to API connections, like if you think about something like our product where we're expected to integrate to outreach, we're expected to integrate to CRMs, we're expected to integrate to tools past that, to tools in front of ours. And I think that that becomes more and more of an expectation of the users because all of these applications are now available as SaaS applications, right? So it's, you know, you think about office and, and, you know, work automation, even 15 years ago, like thumb drives <laughs> moving from place to place. Like that was like really common occurrences. So it's, for me, that's been part of an interesting evolution in terms of like the SaaS landscape is not just your own product being offered, but how you integrate into that overall workflow and the ecosystem of all of the other sort of products that might touch your product. And so that's been sort of an interesting trend. Um, So I do think, if anything, as we go more remote or as we have economic downturns, I think people are going to look for more of that rather than less. Absolutely. One of us, obviously, we've talked a, a little bit about shifting of budget or reallocating of, of budget and spend during economic downtime or uncertainty. Well, COVID in with this economic potential economic downturn. I think you know the same kind of outcomes that we saw uh, from COVID we're seeing right now as well, right? And, and everyone can look on LinkedIn and see the layoffs coming and all that. And people are, you know, organizations are, are getting prepped, right, for uh, profitability uh, rather than uh, insane, you know, growth uh, at, at all costs kind of model. And, and more and more of the, um, you know, the thought leaders out there are really pushing that that narrative and saying that that's going to be what we see. Do you think this is going to be a similar blip to what happened with COVID? Because, I mean, like COVID was like, I mean, everybody went home and literally like for three months, everybody was like, we don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> and then everybody sort of, or do you think that this is really, this is different because it seems to be sort of an economic bubbling and boiling? Yeah, I think this is more, I, I personally think it's more similar to 08 or, or some, mm-hmm. somewhere in that neck of the woods where uh, it's going to be more of tightening of the belt. I think COVID, uh, although there was that initial knee-jerk reaction and, and, and pause and uh, hesitancy toward uh, doing things as 
we had done previously because now we don't know, right? We don't actually understand what it's going to be. I think to Mark's point, there was a lot of good that that actually did come out of COVID with respect to you know, mass digital adoption, uh, you know, the rise of the, not rise, I mean, it was already rising, but the full adoption lean into uh, digital and inside sales teams, you know, conducting business and, and also buyer adoption toward that as well, right? So buyers being more open and, and now uh, it's gone, you know, full circle where buyers are not just open to it, uh, you know, to having, you know, being completely remote. It's expectation, right? <laughs> like, yeah, now it's we like, have what to. do you mean you don't agree with that? Exactly. <laughs> so I think that that, you know, that's, that's a huge driving force. Do I think that this, this economic downturn, I think, is unfortunately, I don't know if it's going to drive all of the same kind of benefits that we saw out of uh, COVID, which, um, you know, pushing things outside of the office drove for a lot of digital adoption. I don't know. I think what we're going to see is a cut of a lot of um, innovative technologies that probably provide benefit to organizations, but maybe not. Nice as, yeah, they might be nice to have, right? Um, We'll see. Well, and it'll be interesting because there was at one point, like there was this start to push for people to go back in the office. I'm wondering, given that that's such a large cost for most companies, whether they'll scale back again and see if they can, you know, recoup some of the costs from that, which will then just push more people back home and hence bolster sort of the, the SaaS industry. But it'll be, it's, it'll be interesting at like what, levers companies are going to pull and push on to be able to like adjust for this. I think, you know, obviously like the inflation right now is causing some layoffs and people are making some hard choices. Um, but it, it it's going to be, I don't know that it's going to look the same as 08, but I do agree that it smells a little bit closer to that. Yeah. Um, it's but a, it's a tough thing. You know, you're talking about who's, who's actually, quickest to uh, adapt to these things. And, you know, we don't have any of our, of our fellow marketing colleagues at the table, but I think, you know, our, our marketing team in particular, incredibly fast to react to these changes. And uh, I know a lot of marketing teams out there were as well uh, with you know, everything going remote during COVID, pulling obviously events being canceled left, right and center and, and you know, main channels that we rely on uh, and reallocation of that spend, not dropping of that spend, but reallocation of that spend to retargeting and other channels, uh, paid, you know, advertising and so on um, that that drive demand and capture demand um, as well. So that's I think that's great. I think obviously some of the sunk uh, you know, operational leaders and, and folks like that who have sunk costs that they're dealing with, whether it be office buildings and things of that nature, you, know, you can't just pull out uh, at a lot of them. Um, but it's, you know, those tough decisions are are now coming up, right? Where, you know, COVID, right? Yeah. I mean, those yeah. leases might be up at this point, right? You're thinking, you know, two, three, four, five, 10 year leases, whatever they happen to be. I mean, we've been, we've been in a post COVID world now for a while. So a lot of those leases and those kind of tough conversations, which levers you said, Michelle, you know, which ones to pull, um, those are, those are hard conversations. I mean, we've talked to a bunch of organizations that, uh, you know, on one side of the fence, it's, it's no, we're going straight back and that's what we're doing and everyone get on board or get out kind of mentality. And then on the opposite fence, no, we're going hundred percent remote and that's what we're going to do. So I think, I think there's, uh, definitely both sides of the fence right now, right. In terms of which one to lean into. I think <clears throat> contradictory of what I said earlier, it's, it's that much harder to sell new products with, with the COVID, um, 
downturn in, in economic downturn. I think, you know, this opens the door. I'd love to understand the statistics. I don't know them off the top of my head, but what that did to tech uh, organizations uh, uh, investing in new types of technologies. I know um, prior to it was, you know, one or two softwares to like key softwares in, in different types of space to equip your sales team. Now it's two or three, right? Like what that does is you're saving from operating or capital expenditures, right? What that has for an impact as far as adoption of new technologies for, for some of these organizations. Yeah. I mean, the cost savings too, right? You think about, uh, not, you know, one way or another on it, but you think about all the the infrastructure costs and uh, an investment that it takes to IT resources and so on to uh, staff an office and run an office and uh, keep that, thing going um that's a that's a lot of money you know I, I know we've talked about you know video conferencing and things like that some of the staples to to run a, an effective um uh really you know customer centric customer facing organization not just sales but support and everything that you need to to interact with customers obviously there's tech technology that you need to invest in that costs uh money but it certainly doesn't cost the same as running a you know a, a multi-tiered building or something to that degree so there's there are cost savings there yeah. um you know are we are is everyone realizing them at this point is the question right or um has, has the, the decision just not been made, right? Are, are we still hedging on, are things really going to go back? Are they not? Where are we at, right? Um, I don't know. But all affects the state of SaaS mm -hmm. as per our initial uh, topic. Right. So economic <laughs> so, so, so I was yeah. going to ask you. So, okay. So if we think back to 2010, let's say, you know, when your big major corporations were just moving to like push their products out to, you know, Microsoft, Google, everybody else was sort of catching on board. Where do you think it's going to be in five years? Do you think do you think SaaS will be? What do you think the next stage of SaaS might look like? I know that's like really pie in the sky. Sorry, <laughs> put you on the spot. I'm gonna pull out the old Google Glass or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Right. I think. I think to your point though earlier with respect to. Just, you know, you're talking on-prem solutions, just, you know, cloud in general, right? Like on-prem to uh, SaaS to probably consumption-driven PLG type motions, yeah. right? Like I would expect that to be the more, everything's continuously being more customer-centric, right? And we're an incredibly customer-centric organization uh, from, from top to bottom. And I think that, that customer-centric, Centricity. Centricity. <laughs> that is everything. That's everything, yeah. right? If you're not customer centric, you're really missing the mark. Either, for, and I know you believe that too, from a product angle, from a sales angle. Every single person in the organization needs to be thinking about the customer. I have a great question for you. So, do you think that most software in the future, even B2B, do you think it's going to look more like B2C? And 100%. do you think it's going to be like, you pick your own software that makes you more productive or do you think that we're oh, going to keep having that corporate-wide 
like I think for communication and collaboration tools maybe. Yeah. But do you think some of the less collaboration tools might go a little bit more B2C? I think I think the B2C, I mean, you know, we've been learning from B2C for how long now, right? Mm -hmm. B2C is leading what we do from a B2B standpoint. And companies like Amazon. Well, and I'll give you a good example, yeah. just to not to put you like totally on the spot. So my team, like we have like I call it like tool proliferation. Like I have some guys that like Figma, I have some guys that like Sketch, I have some folks that like Miro. I have like there's a few things that make everybody like product board because, you know, we need a centralized way to view, you know, roadmaps. But there's like these kinds of tools that sometimes traditionally have been like, oh, we're going to pick a tool for our whole department or managers are starting to be like, oh, you know what? You like Figma, go for it. You like, you know, Miro for workflows, go for it. You like whatever. And they're, they're letting like the individual people within their team pick sort of the tools that they're comfortable with. Do you think that will be a trend going forward more? Or do you think that companies are going to more for cost opportunity centralize? I'm like, no, these are our tools. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'll let you tackle it after me. But I think my, my take is, is if it's an organizational level solution, meaning collaboration. Do, tool. Yeah, yeah. Do I gain organization or do I require organizational level analytics or reporting or something to that degree? Uh, you think of Salesforce or something like that, yeah. right? We can't have every single rep. I, I, I operate. I want this. my own CRM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, everyone <laughs> no. operates. Right? So there's certain infrastructural elements to that. Um, now you were talking a lot about integrations and things like that. So there's a lot of solutions that could work very easily, and there isn't. It is kind of a, an individual, um, an individual preference, right? An individual game, right? Where okay, I've got an individual tool. Obviously, you've got shadow IT on the rise and things of that nature, right? When you're buying individual solutions. So mm. you're going to have IT departments cracking down on that from a security perspective. You're also going to have procurement teams and uh, and everyone, certainly as we talk about tightening the belt within you know the economic downturn, that's going to be tightening up on all of that aspects as well. So I do think for sure, fundamentally, we're absolutely going to a more consumable way. But I think the really, really, really smart organizations, and I've mentioned Zoom video a lot on this. I, guys, you owe me. So like the, we'll get a discount on our yeah. <laughs> I don't know yet. But like the the Zoom, I think Zoom, like the companies that have really cleverly- Zoom, by Cognizant. Yeah, really cleverly thought about their evolution from that individual license or that individual person to a corporate license and what those differences are yeah. uh, and benefits to those are, I think that is, that's really at the root of it all. And those that can do it really smartly, I think will have great success. And you look at Slack or some of those organizations, mm -hmm. right? Which really, really, really smart um, in terms of how they've done that. So what do you think, Mark? I think <clears throat> this is, I was just thinking about that where you were chatting, Mark, is there's kind of mandated organizational tools that the team and the company will use, but there are certain types of technologies where individual users will go out, seek the tool, purchase it for their own benefit to be more successful, right? That there is an industry in that space and the organization and the sales team selling that use that as a land and expand opportunity. Hey, Joe over in IT is leveraging this solution, right? Like that is a real thing. And, you know, some small vendors out there is perfect example when you onboard, you know, a new hire, depending if they have like a Zoho, people would go get a LastPass or an Evernote versus a OneDrive. Like there's different types of tools and technologies at scale that could be minimal or 
maximal outputs or inputs, but um, I and think it... And I think the selling becomes interesting because obviously like your almost B2C sale isn't going to let it look anything yeah. <laughs> like your B2B sale. And so like thinking about how do companies that might do both in some ways, which we happen to be like in that market as well. I mean, there's a lot of people that like, even if you think about, you know, your sales reps, like if you're in Europe, you might opt for one solution. If you're stateside, you might opt for a different solution. And there's reasons for that, right? And mm -hmm. and a lot of valid ones. And so allowing that flexibility within your organization to say, like, I'm almost going to be a B2C consumer where, you know, I'm I'm going to buy it on my behalf for my benefit and, and how companies will deal with, like, that selling process, and, you know, going forward, I think is going to be really interesting. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So. It's a, I mean, a fundamental big question change, you know, that's happening. Obviously, mm -hmm. um, SaaS is, uh, to your point, it's been around, right? I mean, we've, we've seen it evolve now uh, over the years. It's definitely not going anywhere, but it, it might continue to take on new faces and new shapes. Mm -hmm. um, certainly, as these macro level environments continue to change, whether it be downturns or pandemics or, oh man, it's always crazy things. Why can't we talk about like, I don't know why it's ever something nice, you know, like, um, but anyhow, you know, you've got, you've got these crazy events happening that certainly can impact, um, you know, the SaaS organization's business, right? So um, it's not going anywhere. It's not, it's, you know, we're gonna rise, rise with it. I think it, I think at the end of the day, in the SaaS, the SaaS market, and the tech, high tech in general, uh, you know, where it continues to lift all boats, right? I think like as more techs develop and more, it has never gotten to the point where we need less technology. That's the that's the wild piece of it, you know. And and that's the goal at the end of the day is, hey, we'll eventually get to less tech. But as more tech gets keeps getting developed, we just get more and more efficient at the jobs that we're doing, right? So. Uh, and then you add more to the tech stack, but you, the efficiency gains are massive. I think eventually you're going to have very, very small teams operating very robust technology that's able to do a heck of a lot. Um, but talking years. I mean, um, I do have to run. But um, for the for you know, in my perspective, I think the the couple big things that I see sort of happening in the in the SaaS market are sort of twofold. I think the ability for SaaS companies that were traditionally B2B to sort of understand that B2C model and what that might be packaged and or sold like. And then the second one, I think that's gonna be key is integrations. The more SaaS companies, the more you're gonna to wanna to integrate it with sort of the rest of your ecosystem and workflow. And I think if I think of where sort of the next focus will be of most SaaS companies, I think it's gonna be that, you know. It's like remove as much of the friction from like, you know, at the end of the day, like we're all going to end up like that Wally where we are all in chairs and everything. Yeah. But yeah, yes. <laughs> it's like, don't make me move. Oh my God. No, <laughs> but then all seriousness, I think, you know, the, the tools that are at your disposal working together and then having that flexibility, like, you know, I remember the days when we all got blackberries from our company and now it's like, you know, whatever you have, just <laughs> we'll deal with. And I think that's that's where we're heading. Awesome closing remarks. Mark, what are your No, I mean, I agree 100%. I think um, a lot of organizations are going to look to automate and integrate for the two things, right, as they evolve into this type of trend, right? They're going to look at buyer's journey. How do we best 
make that linear? How do we automate the product? How do we integrate with other types of technologies? So, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting to see where this plays out for yeah. sure. I'm just going to leave everyone with, I believe it's all about focusing on the customer. And at the end of the day, if you continue to build products and support your customers needs with solutions that they need, Hey, you'll be in good shape, like with it, with whatever happens with an economic climate and so on. I think as long as you're solving customers' problems, things are going to be good. So Mark Sparacco, Michelle Bradbury, I'm Mark Bedard. Thank you very much for joining us for Revenue Champions. See you next time.